Thank you for coming My name is Dubs Weinblatt, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am really excited to be here today. Um, we are recording this during Pride Month, so I don't know about you, but I'm feeling extra gay. Um, five Prides ago, um, I founded a queer improv show called Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. And during this show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and their improvisers bring them to life. Uh, so I understand that we all have multiple coming out stories. Um, and so on this show, I like to bring guests to hear their coming out story. So our guest today, someone very special to me, Jeffrey Kidwell, pronouns he, him, his, who I met also, uh, because I commented on his Instagram and thought he was a cutie um, and then asked him to do, uh, did I ever tell you that? No. <laughs> I thought you were cute, and so Aww. I wanted you to come do no, my show. Um, I am too now. Um, and and so then you, well, I'll save I'll save our journey for later. But I would love welcome. Welcome to me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for having me. You're, this is fun. Yeah, of course. Um, so I just want to kind of get into it. Tell, cool. Share one of your coming out stories. One that that speaks to you. So people come out all the time, right? We call we all come out over and over and over and over. That's part of being queer but the main event so I, I'll tell you the story of when I came out to my folks uh, so I'm from Southern California went to UCLA and I um, spent the last bit of my time at UCLA living in France I lived in Paris had a life-changing experience I grew my hair long a beard smoked cigarettes wrote bad poetry Amazing. you know Decided I was like, I don't know, Ernest Hemingway or something. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I came back from that experience, certainly changed. Came out to myself there. Um, but when I got back, graduated from school, I knew it was time to tell people that I loved that I was gay. So um, as is my way, instead of doing that, I bottled it up. <laughs> for a long time Mm -hmm. uh which um made my very loving parents nervous because they're you know empathetic people who love their son and uh i moved i had moved back home so i'm living in southern california where my folks still live and i can't remember how this happened but i found myself full-on like breakdown crying on the bathroom floor I hear like knock knock on the bathroom door. My mom's like, Jeff, are you okay? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Mom, I'm fine. And so she said, let me just come in. So uh, she came in and um, I was crying and I said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. She said, something's going on. My dad comes down the hallway. He finds us there in the bathroom and he's wondering what's going on. And, uh, I finally, I don't remember how I did it. I don't know if I just counted to three or if I left my body, but I think I just went, I'm gay. Like I just blurted it out. And my mother like clutched her pearls and went, oh, thank God. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) 
that was not the reaction I was expecting. And I said, what? And she said, Jeffrey, you've been so depressed and your father and I thought it was going to be something bad, like you had gotten yourself into trouble or you were selling drugs or you had committed some crime. And she said, okay. And my dad hugged me and told me he loved me. My mom did the same thing. Um, and uh, I think it all is sort of a blur from there because since then I've just been like, so gay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I've been like, no, I'm... And like, we're like zero to a hundred. Yeah. Like... <laughs> but I mean, like, not like it was, um, that was very much like a band aid ripping off the band aid moment for me. Like, every from subsequently, as you go out, you come out to more people in your lives, in your life, pardon me, um, you, it gets easier. Mm hmm. And for a while, I was just having my mom do my PR. Like, I'm not telling great aunt so-and-so mm -hmm. who I see once a year that I'm gay. Like, you can handle that on the yearly catch-up phone conversation. So, like, for example, when I told my brother, I have an older brother and a younger sister, both of whom I am very close to, I had told my sister, and I had not told my brother yet. And my, my mom said to me, you know, Jeffrey, you really ought to tell Paul that you're gay. You know, I don't want to pressure you. Do it when you want. But you know, you might want to think about telling him. So I said, okay. So I called him one day and we're chatting and he's doing that thing. Maybe you've experienced this where he's like trying to like make the landing as soft as he can for me. Like, and say like, Oh, so like what else is going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So what else is new? Like, is there something you want to tell me? And then I think I said something to the effect of like, Oh, mom's told me I have to tell you I'm gay. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, okay, Jeff, it's, you know, we all love you. It was, you know, I, as far as coming out experiences go, mine was how they all ought to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I had loving people in my life who uh, immediately responded with love and whether that was a hug or a smile or tears, happy tears for some people in some cases. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, it was pretty great actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like a really nice send off into my, um, living a more truthful life. Remind me how, how old were you? I was, I, th I was either 21 or 22. My birthday's in the summer. It was definitely mm -hmm. like after I had graduated. So I would have been in there somewhere. So, mm -hmm. Um, it's funny. It feels young. That feels young to me. Mm -hmm. But I know now, nowadays, a lot of young folks are coming out. You know, like at, like at never. Like they're never even right. in. You know what I like, mean? Which is, is fantastic, yeah. and that's how it ought to be. But my husband's seven years younger than I am, and he came out at, like I think he told his mom when he was fifteen. Wow. Which I mean, that would have been unfathomable for me. Yeah. No way. I, I, I'm not even. I don't even know that I had any true sort of core understanding of the fact that I was gay. I didn't, you know, I certainly didn't think I'd be doing a podcast about it in, <laughs> right. in Brooklyn. That's for sure. Ever. <laughs> I think it's so, I, when I think about coming out, like I came out as gay slash lesbian at 20 and I just remember feeling so scared. Mm -hmm. I think the scariest thing about coming out is just not knowing what you're going to be met with. Yeah. And it's almost like, like I, I never like I would like test the waters when I was what you know when I was younger and I'd be like, what if someone was gay and like, 
monitoring what their responses would oh, be. Oh, like to your family to and my stuff, family, you'd say my that? friends, and like I would just like I would and it's not that anyone was like super outwardly homophobic, but it wasn't like it would be incredible, and it you know, and I was looking for right. this like unreasonable react. I don't know if it's unreasonable, but this like soft place land, right? That like yeah. you said of like yeah. just like a safe space, yeah. right? And I never, and, and maybe it was there, and I just was thinking that it wasn't there. Right. But it took me forever yeah. to come out. I learned such a good lesson about allowing people to have their reaction before you assume. You know what? I assumed yeah. it was funny. Like all evidence pointed to the reaction that I got. Right. See? Like if I look yeah. back at my life, I never heard. My parents certainly never said homophobic things like in my family growing up if my older brother called me a girl like you're being girly you know that was like a sin like my mother would be down his throat you were never allowed to use girl or girly or queer or whatever in a negative way mm, that's awesome yeah and so but it's it's amazing what fear can do right because mm -hmm. i had imagined this reaction that was not at all who my parents right were or are mm -hmm. same with we had I knew gay people growing you know, growing up, but it's something about your own experience, something about being young and not having had that many experiences. Yeah. The first time you tell someone this thing that you've been living with, you know, forever, or certainly since you, you know, realized what being gay was. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I just, I like you, I just imagined this sort of like, terrible reaction and it was actually quite lovely mm -hmm. you know yeah I also had my mom do my PR I yeah. was like we were at a Mexican restaurant and I told her and then I told her that I was bisexual yeah because I was yeah though that is a valid absolutely of course obviously absolutely. a valid identity for me that felt like because I also was still dating like boys at that yeah, time sure. so I was like is this yeah so you know trying on words that make us feel good is also part of the journey but Ooh, I like that way of putting it trying on words I like that yeah thank you um I just made it up right now <laughs> <laughs> um but I I remember I was like you have to tell dad yeah and then not that I thought that he would react in any kind I guess I, I no I guess it is because I was just scared of like how he would react yeah. even though you put it such a good way of all evidence pointed to like a positive right. reaction, right. but still, right. The story we tell ourselves is right. these catastrophic things are going to happen because I feel like in the media, that's how it, right. until recently it's like portrayed as this completely, really terrible thing completely. to be a queer person. And I think this is something I was joking about with a friend the other day. And this is something that in generally speaking, I don't think straight folks have to do, which is have that moment where you say to your parents, can I curse on this? Yes. Where you're essentially saying to your parents, like, I want to fuck boys. <laughs> like, straight people don't have to have a moment where they're like, mom and dad, sit down. I'm a male and uh, I want to have sex with women. Yeah. Like, it's uncomfortable to, like, acknowledge your sexuality with your parents. Mm -hmm. And then there's the added layer of, oh, and by the way, the sex I want to have is with someone of the same sex. Mm -hmm. That's like... It just feels when you're young, especially when you're younger, it's just like, ew, I don't want to talk about this stuff with my folks. I still don't want to talk about that stuff with my parents, you know? And we don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Gosh, I, Mom, I'm sorry, but I have to share this. But one of the first things she asked me was like, have you ever been with a woman? And I was like, I'm Whoa. not telling you that. No, ew. So embarrassing. My mom asked me if it meant that she, I'd go shopping with her now. Oh <laughs> well, did it? No, I hate shopping. <laughs> I hate shopping too. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so interesting. Those like the tales we tell ourselves. Completely. And like get worked up for, well, it's not always for no reason. People do have really oh, it's often it's yeah. often for for, for very for good reason. legitimate reasons. Yeah. I'm just so fortunate that yeah. the fear that I um, was experiencing was was not based in any reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, fast forward, uh, how many years ago did I get married? Three years ago. So fast forward like 13 years, and my parents hosted an incredible wedding for my husband and me that was as traditional as they come it's just that there were two grooms yeah and you know i mean that's that's how it ought to be for everyone that's how if they want if, if they, they want, want that tradition no absolutely yeah. I, I just mean yeah. that you're you um you ought to be so accepted mm-hmm. that yeah. you um that it doesn't feel any different than anyone else's expression Mm-hmm. of love and commitment you know what I mean and whether that right. means some big wedding or never getting married at all or whatever yeah but for me I actually I I have I was modeled marriage by two really terrific people so my I have parents who are very much in love and have a really strong marriage and a strong bond and that was modeled to my siblings and me our whole lives and I wanted something like that for myself. So it's interesting because in my, I've said this to people before, in in many ways my queerness expresses itself in very traditionally Mm -hmm. sort of heteronormative heteronormative ways. Mm -hmm. And I don't, like I, I wanted a wedding with 200 people and I wanted all that stuff. I, I I don't know. I don't. I never really unpacked that, but I. Um, it just worked for me. That felt yeah. most honest to me because it felt most like what I had seen my whole life. Yeah. You know, I I was always one of those. I like wanted in. Does that make sense? Like I yeah. wanted in. Yeah. I like would look at my brother getting married, my sister getting married, my parents being married and loving each other, and all the marriages that sort of existed in my life, my family and friends, and I wanted in. A lot of when I think about like wanting to just like fit in mm-hmm. and be part of those milestones, I have a lot of, I go back and forth a lot because I think also for me, my gender identity and like being a genderqueer person sure. also plays into that sure. where it's like, to me it feels like like one step further, or one step harder. I remember my friend was getting, got married and um, I, I remember crying in the bathroom because I just, I felt like, so it was like this big, beautiful Jewish wedding with all the traditions um, that I'd always just wanted when I was younger. And this was, this was, oh my goodness, probably 16 years ago. I was still in college or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 14 years ago. Um, and this was before I was out as genderqueer and I had just come out as gay and was just feeling really lost of like, I want, I still want this. Like I still want to be celebrated and I want to break the glass and I want to have a, mm. you know, the, um, I can't think of what it's called. The, uh, 
chalupa. The chalupa. Oh my God, thank you. Catholic, yes. Just Catholic, don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I'm taking you with me. <laughs> uh, um, yes, the chalupa. And, um, and I just remember crying in the bathroom and she was comforting me and I was like, mm. oh honey, go celebrate your wedding. Yeah. But like, you know, just in that moment, it really felt like I couldn't have that. Like it was too far out of reach yeah. for, for that to be a thing for me. Right. And I think, and then, and so now when I think about now, like my gender identity and my sexual orientation and just who I am as a person, I think there's like a lot of what I want is, is kind of baked into like that, like heteronormative, cisnormative yeah. aspect of life, just because we've all, I've been socialized that way my whole right. life. And so now it's me trying to find what do I actually want? Right. Right. And then, or what do I want to just fit in? Right. Because then when I find myself in relationships with people, it still feels like there are gender roles at play sure. that feel heteronormative. Right. And it's like, is that because, why is that? And so it's just things that I, I think about a lot. Yeah, I always say this to people when this comes up. Remember that, you know, Queer folks were raised with the same stereotypes about queer folks. Yeah. And we have to undo some of that stuff ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We get the same messages. We don't like, we, we didn't get different programming. It's like we don't get filters. No. 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 You get the same. I remember being, I remember, you know, I, I very much remember, I was born in 82, and I remember sort of the becoming aware of the AIDS crisis sort of in the late 80s, early 90s. I don't, of course, I wasn't old enough to know what it meant, but I remember, like, for example, do you remember, um, like, celebrities at awards shows would wear the red ribbon? Mm -hmm. I remember asking my mom what that meant. And then that movie Philadelphia came out. Yeah. And I remember seeing that movie with a friend of mine. And then I remember... I don't think the thought was as clear as this. But I remember thinking, if you're gay, you get AIDS. I remember being like nine years old and thinking that, right? And having that, and then having to then spend time undoing that idea. Mm-hmm. Because I thought that those things were linked. Yeah. Necessarily. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I do, yeah. And that that's bullshit that Mm. everyone has been fed especially Mm -hmm. at that time right where you know the people were dying every day right Mm -hmm. so I've had to undo all sorts of wrong thoughts like that yeah and I think people don't realize that Mm -hmm. that we get the same messaging yeah you know yeah do you watch do you watch Pose yes so um, I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's a there's a character who tells another character, like when he finds out he's gay, like you're gonna get AIDS, yeah. like this is your punishment. And right. I think even like his mom says it to him too, of like, yeah. so it's like, literally people are like, this cause and effect, like you totally. and, and like how do you grapple with that? How do you deal with that as like a nine year old? It's like what like right. Well, you hopefully you get older and you educate yourself. Well, well right, but that's hopefully what you, you right. do. But the, the but not but, but not, not everyone does that. Right. And not all queer people do that. Right. And there was no internet back then. So it's like how do you even research that? Right. You're right. Yeah. It's it, it 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 takes undoing. It takes like conscious effort. Yeah. 
to dispel yourself of those lies, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's all fear too, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's all, there's no fact, there's no fact there. It is not a fact that if you are gay, you will contract HIV. Right. Nope. But at that age, it's what I thought. I was afraid. I was terrified. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. I do know. Yeah, because those messages. I remember when Ellen came out on her Mm -hmm. show and then the backlash. Oh, my God. She got fired from her show. The show was canceled. Right. And she lost her career for a really long time. A long time. Yeah. And it's, it's like, well... Why would I, why would I do that? Why would I like lose everything? I think that was one, definitely one of the messages that I thought of when I was like, I'm going to lose everything if I come out to my, to the people around me. Right. Um, And it's scary. Right. And again, uh, you know, I, like I mentioned earlier, I came from a loving, supportive family. Yeah, me too. I can't imagine where I would have been if that, if I didn't also have that sort of like infrastructure that I had that a lot of folks don't have. Yeah. They're doing this on their own. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's why it's up to those of us who are a little further along in the journey to reach back and say, oh, hey, that thing that, you, that you've been thinking for a while, that's not maybe how it is, or here's how we move past that, or, you know, there's a big, beautiful life waiting for you, but you got to kind of address some of these other ideas. And I mean that for queer and straight folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you mentioned earlier something about um, like letting people react before something like almost like letting them surprise you or like yeah letting like you them gotta you can't like always give them a chance give them a chance yeah, yeah so I was at a training this just came up the other day I was at a training um, at a synagogue in Teaneck New Jersey and um, it was in a it was for the board and so. You know, this is like just a stereotype of boards. I was like, it's going to be like all people who are like wearing ties and like, you know, straight lace. Like the bank in Mary Poppins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like all board rooms yeah. and board members look like that. Yeah. And and so I, I, this was literally just a week, less than a week ago. I was like standing up. At, and so coming into these spaces and bringing my full self and being vulnerable in these trainings, mm-hmm. one, it, it helps bridge those gaps and helps people rethink things that they had been thinking were true about certain identities. But in doing that, I put myself out there, and so it can feel really scary. Yeah. And so I was leaning up. So I, I came in with all these assumptions about these board members. And I'm, like, standing, leaning up against the wall, literally with my eyes closed, mm. taking deep breaths, calming yeah, right. myself down. And then they were the most lovely group, had the m- most incredible insight, yeah. were all on board and just, like, wanted and just kept asking questions and were thoughtful right. and respectful and those moments are yeah. those moments are life affirming and they're hope giving. Yeah. So and I think we have to stay open to people surprising us in beautiful ways. Totally. Um because otherwise if if you're constantly functioning under the assumption that you're going to be rejected I I wonder if you risk closing off. Mm-hmm. I don't know that to be true necessarily but to have those moments when you tell someone who you are and they extend a hand, yeah, those moments I hope are encouraging and um, I don't know keep keep you motivated, mm-hmm. right? 
definitely. I mean, that, that is how I stay motivated at my job. Right. And hopefully they help you through the times when that doesn't happen because there are times when that doesn't happen. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, our girl Brene Brown talks about how like when we, we numb the bad feelings, Mm -hmm. but you can't select what feelings you're numbing. So when you're numbing the bad ones, you're also numbing joy. Right. And so I think it's, I don't know, Brene, correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, if you're never open to letting people surprise you, you're shut. You're you are missing out on possibility right. of people being there for you. Right. And at the same time, it's a it, it also can be a way of protection. Like if you have had all of these experiences that have been negative, I kind of understand like kind of always being on guard. Yeah. So it's like finding that middle ground yeah. of slowly building trust right. and and seeing where you can turn to get right. the support that you need. It's and uh, and remembering that everyone's experience of this is different. Right. I mean, that, that is something that is a struggle for me. I have to remember that there are people out there who um, didn't have as many um, accepting reactions as I did. Yeah. I think we've come so far, and it's so wonderful. But I think especially, you know, living in New York City, um, in a place where you feel like you can be exactly who you are, that there are still folks who aren't having that experience. Yeah. And I'm not talking in the middle of nowhere America. I'm talking in New York City. It's mm-hmm. still happening, and we can't forget that. And I, I have to be on myself about that, to remember that not, I can't behave like it's just so easy for mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. You know? Definitely. That I, I always... I think about like the bubble that I've created for myself. Like mm-hmm. my job is a at a queer organization, mm-hmm. and then all of my like side passion projects are queer based, yeah. and then all of my friends are queer or major allies, and right. it's really and then so I'm spending all of my time in this bubble that I've created for myself. That it actually is really jarring when I step outside that bubble in New York City or wherever it it may be, yeah. and it's like oh wow this is this is real like. Yeah. Shit's happening everywhere, yeah, yeah. and it's like, how can, how can I right. try to make it better for other people? And it's just, I'm still trying to find the answer, but it's, you know, I don't know. Well, it's process. Yeah. It's process, and I think something that's really beautiful that queer folks are given the opportunity because in so many ways we have to, because we have to come to terms with the fact that we're different. That can set you on a path of taking time to self-actualize. Mm-hmm. It's a gift in some ways to go through that fire because you have to grapple with who you are. And I don't know that many people do that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they do, but something about having to go through the challenge of, you know, realizing you're queer coming out to yourself mm-hmm. coming out to other people yeah and then coming out every day every day yeah something about that is um, um, I don't know it in- it encourages self-reflection and self-study uh, and I think that's valuable I think mm-hmm. I think people would be better off if we all took a little more time 
investigating who we are and why we behave the way we behave. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's deep. I don't know. I'm deep. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Speaking of being deep, really. I am looking at my list of questions mm-hmm. for you, and I literally wrote, your husband's cute. It's not <gasps> a question. So I'm just telling you. He is <laughs> He's so, so cute. cute. He's real cute. Yeah. Okay. So his name's Andre Katrini. He's a really brilliant composer, lyricist. He writes musicals. Um, he looks like... Oh, he's going to get so mad at me for saying this, but it's true. Do you remember those... Um, Christmas claymation movies. <gasps> he does. He looks like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a claymation, the claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I can, to- I totally, as soon as you said yeah, that, his big I like. eyes. Yeah. He doesn't have any redness around the nose. <laughs> That's not what I mean. <laughs> but like that, He's just a the, like, beautiful little sweet of, like, angel claym- who puts up with me because I'm definitely the tough one. <laughs> <laughs> and you have laundry in your house, so. I do. I mean, that's pretty it's, sweet. It's next level <laughs> awesome. Um, so I would love to know what your Ring of Keys moment is. And for those of you who don't know what Ring of Keys is, uh, from the um, Broadway musical and the uh, graphic novel Fun Home by Alison Bechtel, um, there's a moment in the story where um, small Allison um, is in a diner with her dad. And this butch lesbian walks in and has, like, short hair and, like, I think like boots and this ring of keys on her belt and she like for the first time sees herself in somebody else and like that powerful moment of like representation and visibility so um i would love to hear if you if you've experienced something like that so i'm not sure if i i remember the first time i ever met uh or saw myself represented because we had we had queer people in my family. Mm-hmm. I, like from, I, so I don't remember like a conscious moment of, oh, that's me. But I 100% remember the, the first time I realized I was gay. I didn't, I don't mean that it was that, I didn't know it meant I was gay. Mm. But I remember the first time I saw a man and thought, oh, oh, wait, that what's happening? So I was a swimmer growing up. I swam on the swim teams, you know, like youth. Yeah. You know. And I had a coach, a swim coach. Now, I don't remember his name, but it was like probably like 92, so I want it to be like Kip or something. <laughs> like, his name is Kip like, from here on You know out. what I mean? Like <laughs> Kip or, or like... Clint... Damn, I don't know what it was. So three letters. But it felt like 90s to me. Anyway, so Kip would... (laughs) Kip, before he coached our swim team, he would swim. So I would show up like 50 minutes early, and he would get out of the pool to like towel off and then coach us. And he would come out of the pool, and he was a competitive swimmer like in his Speedo. And I remember just thinking to myself... I just like want to be around him. Mm-hmm. It never went. I, I didn't go further. I don't. I didn't have any understanding of sexuality then. I don't think. I just remember like always wanting to like not miss that moment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I'd like to be early. Like please. mom, I'm ready to go. Like we need to get there. She's like Jeff. We live around the block. No, we need to go. Let's go. Um, I remember not wanting to miss that moment, and I just remember like wanting to be in his 
energy space, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then now I look back on it and I'm like, oh, you, you had your, fir- that was your first crush. You thought he was cute, mm-hmm. but I don't remember thinking it that directly. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the first, that was my aha moment in terms of realizing that I was gay. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I have a moment of seeing representation for the first time. I think it because it was just in my life. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Which is another funny reason I was so afraid to tell my parents. I mean, there were gay people in my life. Yeah, there just were. Well, you know, well, families are like, it's okay if you're, if like someone else is gay, sure. but not my own child. Yeah, 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 right? sure. Right? So, I mean, sure. that's also no, that's a, true. Real that is a real trope thing. that we're taught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm still, because you're from, you said SoCal. So I yeah. have like, yeah. I'm like picturing Kip with like long, like sandy brown hair, yeah, like getting like, out of the pool and just like, and you can't see me doing it, everybody, but I'm like, like shaking my head, like, yeah. Drying my hair out. The realty is that he looked like David Chokichi, who was on Baywatch. <laughs> oh my gosh, come on. <laughs> Listen, he was very prominently featured in the opening credits, pushing out of a pool, and he had blonde, exactly what you're talking about. He had that blonde hair where like it was probably brown hair, but he was just in the sun all the time. Mm. So it had that like bleached out. So like Zach Morrissey? Or like that's yes. too or is that But that's too... a little too processed. Yeah, that's a process. little too like sat under a machine to get that done. Like mm. Kip earned his blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. Kip earned it with chlorine and sunshine. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked like every other dude that I grew up with in Southern California, but for whatever reason. And in my mind, he's like, prob- in my mind, he must be like 30. In your memory? Or in my 30? memory, he's like oh. 30, but I bet he was more like 20 because mm-hmm. I was just young. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like he was probably younger than I remember. I don't know. I the, the memory is like if it, it's it feels like an energy rather than a picture. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't really a picture feeling. it all. It's, it's a, a feeling. feeling. Like yeah. I can't really picture it all that well. Mm-hmm. Other than just like like on the days we'd have a substitute coach, I'd be like, God damn it. I don't feel good. <laughs> I don't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I hated swimming in the first place, but <laughs> um Kip, if you're listening, send us your pick. Oh my god, if Kip is listening to this. <laughs> He's like, I think I might be Kip. Wait. He's like, my name's John. I'm Kip. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so I want to change gears yeah. for a minute. Um, and I want to talk about your Broadway debut. Oh, my god. I would gosh. love to hear about that. Like, tell us everything. Um, so I made my Broadway debut a few years back in a musical uh, with um, music and lyrics by Sarah Bareilles mm-hmm. called Waitress. Um, and it was a dream. It was yeah. a dream. It was like spending the day. It was Dorothy Gale making it through the poppy field, opening the gates to the Emerald City, and spending a day in paradise. It was a dream. It was a dream come true. It was wow, incredible. It was um, the culmination of a lifelong journey of of uh I want to take that back it was not the culmination it was like a it was a it was a, a stop on the road mm-hmm. but the it felt road, yeah if you will. Like, I will I will okay. no but it was a great it was a great milestone and it was validating and it was um uh like all incredible experiences it was um 
incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I joined the cast. Uh, the show opened in April of, I think, 2016. And I joined in June. And I was what's called a swing. So I learned multiple roles in the show. And uh, it was, you know, I learned... Did I learn? I learned three roles in, I think we had like 10 days of rehearsal. Wow. So it was tremendously difficult. And I'm the sort of person who, when I'm presented with a challenge, often my instinct is to be like, I can't do it. I'll never do it. I'll fail. <laughs> Silly, but you know. The stories we tell yeah, ourselves. Yeah, the stories we tell yeah. ourselves. Um, and it was, uh, I don't know what to say. It was, it was, it was magical. It's interesting. I've come... I've been thinking a lot about this yesterday, and the Tony Awards were on last night, so mm. I was thinking a lot about this. Um, sometimes when I watch things like the Tony Awards or go to see a Broadway show, I get a little blue mm -hmm. because I get that feeling of, oh, everyone else is at the party and I'm not at the party anymore because I'm no longer in Waitress. Mm -hmm. And I've had to grapple a little bit with what it means to be a performing artist, or I guess an artist of any type, really. Mm -hmm. And what do these benchmarks of success mean, and how do we define success? And you know, what are we telling ourselves about what it means to have, you know, in quotes, made it? Uh, so I uh, I struggle a little bit with giving the that Broadway experience too much of an aura. Yeah. I'm best off when I think about it as a, a great show that I got to do that had a lot of cool, like, sparkly PR around it. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, in New York City between 42nd and 59th Street. Yeah. But the truth is, you book a broad... This is, this is the main lesson I learned. Great. The hardest part about being on Broadway is not being on Broadway. It's getting on Broadway. Mm. That's the hard part. The hard part is like getting the audition, getting the callback, surviving the callback, booking the job. Once you book the job, it's just, it's rehearsal. Now you're in rehearsal. You've mm -hmm. done rehearsal before. I've been doing rehearsal since I was 10 years old. I know how to do rehearsal. I know how to do my job. Mm -hmm. That part was actually felt um, familiar. The rest of it is what's scary. The rest of it is like, oh, but it's fancy producers and it's Broadway and, you know, Jesse Mueller was in it and she's a big Broadway star and, you know, I wanted her to think I was good and, you know, all these things that you, that kind of sort of exist around the actual job. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. um, because the work is the work. Like, it, it's, it's putting on a, it's putting on a play. Mm -hmm. I've done that lots of times. Yeah. I've done it lots of times before Broadway. I've done it lots of times since Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, so I, it's funny. I, my feelings about it have changed slightly. Because when it first happened, I think I was like, that's it. I made it. I'm in. And then it was over. Because that's how Broadway shows work. Right. I mean, the show's still running. I'm just no longer in the company. They needed me for a short amount of time. I did my job. They don't need me anymore. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I, uh, 
I've had moments, I will admit to you, I, I've said this to my husband before, I've had moments where I have thought to myself, I almost wish it hadn't happened. Mm. Because it was like, it was like being given like the greatest slice of cake you've ever had in your life. Pie? A pie. Come on. <laughs> there you go, pie. I'm not really a pie fan, I'm but a pie. But, okay, great, cake. Okay. Uh, and then being told, you might not get this again. Yeah. You know? But then... On the better days, it's like, no, screw that. That cake was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was yeah. delicious. And I hope that I get to have that slice again. But there are all other things to taste and try. And that's true of being an actor also. Broadway's not the only place, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's important, you know, after you watch something like the Tony Awards and you might feel a little alienated or like, oh, I'll never, I'll never be in that group. I'll never get there to understand that it's not it's not there. It's one of many theirs. It's right. not the only place. Right. You know what I mean? One of the best actresses I ever worked with, I was working at a small theater uh, up in Northern California. And I was doing a production of a musical by Stephen Sondheim called Sweeney Todd. And uh, the female lead just needs to be a powerhouse. I mean, she, Angela Lansbury originated the role. It has to be just this like larger than life, brilliant singer, actor, performer. I cannot remember this actress's name. She was the most incredible actress I've ever, ever worked with. She was fantastic. So honest, so funny, so committed, so on it. Never worked on Broadway because she didn't want to, because she <laughs> liked her life. She toured around the country doing shows. She lives in Northern California in this small town. I mean, this woman was remarkable. And I think to myself, so, okay, so she never worked on Broadway. So does that mean she's not successful? Right. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. She's got a resume that you could unscroll five feet full of incredible roles. And she's this amazing artist. And, you know, an audience is an audience, whether or not they're in Northern California or New York City. It's still a group of people in a room having an experience together. Yeah. That to me is, that's the goal. If we think of that as the goal, getting able to do that as much as possible, then I think you're successful. You're doing it, you know? And I hope that, I hope every actor, performer out there listening, I hope you all get to perform on Broadway because don't get me wrong, those lights come up and the curtain opens on your first day on Broadway and it is thrilling. You cannot believe it. You're like looking back at your eight-year-old self and you're like, fuck yeah, we did it. This is actually happening. But I don't think we need to make it bigger than that because that's big enough. Yeah. You know? I do know. Yeah. And also I feel, I feel like as we get older and things and circumstances in our lives shift, like our priorities shift. Yeah. And it's like, I think, and I think you talk about this on social media a lot, which is, I want to just like switch another gear mm -hmm. of like your Instagram presence and your, I love watching your stories because oh, you are, you're so earnest and vulnerable and inspiring of whether it's like for fitness or for performance of just like people that, right, they're like they're, Broadway is a stop on the road, but it's not the end of no. the road. Mm -hmm. And um, so what, like when you're think when I'm like, I guess, why do you put yourself out there? Um, in those ways? it's funny. 
thank you for saying that. First of all, you're welcome. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I get a lot of positive feedback from folks when I post things like that. Um, it's really lovely. People reach out and say such nice things, but to be totally honest with you, oftentimes if I'm posting something and I'm reaching out to people, I'm pep talking myself. Mm. I, you know, I, uh, you know, I often find that I feel better when I realize that I'm not the only person feeling something. Totally. Yeah. And I know that outreach comes back to you. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like I, it just helps me to feel better to be authentically myself and to, to be honest with people that, you know, social media is, it's so funny. Instagram is such a weird place. I feel like we're all lying to each other in some way. Like yeah. we're all like pretending that our lives are different than they are. Mm-hmm. And if the point is to share our lives, why aren't we just sharing our lives? Right. Sometimes your life means you're like at a beautiful resort in, I don't know, Mexico. And other times it's pouring rain <laughs> right. and you're waiting for the bus that won't come. Sometimes you get really great news and sometimes you get really shitty news. And I think there are ways in which sharing both of those experiences can be helpful for people. And I just, if I'm going to have any kind of social media presence, and listen, I don't have like a million followers, but if I have any sort of people watching me, I want their experience of me to feel honest. Yeah, I'm not interested in putting out a a vision of, a, of my life that is not true. Mm-hmm. I did that for a long time before Instagram, right? Like being in the closet. I'm not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also know that there are people out there who look to folks on social media um, for advice and for different way of doing things or you know yeah and if I can be that even for a few thousand people like come on what a gift you know so I just yeah it, it, it's it starts off as just oh I'm feeling blue about this or I'm feeling great about this and I want to share it and it's remarkable how many people write back you know direct message or comment or whatever and say like I've been needing to hear this or yeah, especially when it's something that feels very unique to me. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard like, I'm not a writer, but I've heard writers say this like, um, Oh, I'm sitting writing a song or something and I'm writing something. I'm like, mm, this is me. I'm the only person on this planet who has had this. And then it, inevitably everyone else goes, Oh, that's exactly how I felt. That's, that's who I am. And I, I think social media at its best can be that for people. Mm-hmm. But we have to use it for good. And unfortunately, I don't think uh, many people do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way that it connects us. And just, I mean, because, right, like, it can be really negative. But also, I found so much support and community from posting on social media. I'm, like, really open with, like, my story. You are. It's great. Things like that. Because it, I never had that growing up. Like, I didn't have those kinds of, like, representation or a place to ask questions or so if I can, like you said, like it 
use my platform or like if a couple hundred or you have a couple thousand, I have a couple hundred people like look at what I'm right. posting. That's awesome. That's like, if I can help one person that right. day and I still, I get the similar messages of really needed to hear this today. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And you know, for, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a white cisgendered gay man and I know that the vision that gets put out on social media about what it means to be a white cisgendered gay man in a major metropolitan area like New York City involves a lot of parties, a lot of pictures in a Speedo on the beach, a lot of um, sort of like vaguely artistic nudes with... I'm picturing Kip. With, yeah, yeah, <laughs> vaguely artistic nudes with like um, quotes that, that have like clearly been like Googled, like inspirational quotes. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, there's space for all that. And if you keep lighthearted about it, it's okay. I just want people to know that there's a different, there's an, there's a, there are other alternatives, or there's just a richer life mm -hmm. than that out there. Like that can be a part of a life. I love a party, don't get me wrong. Like I own Speedos, I do it all, <laughs> I, can, right. I can hang. But I want people to know that fundamentally, that's not what's going to sustain deep relationships. And that's certainly not what's going to sustain a, a person in any meaningful way. Mm -hmm. But that stuff is candy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Candy's fun. I like candy. Mm -hmm. But it's you can't live off of it. Um, you know, I hear so many of my friends say, like, oh, yeah, I, I scroll down my Instagram page and I always like feel shittier after. Yeah, like I'm full of anxiety now because so my life doing? isn't perfect what? like everyone else's. And right. Like, well. So 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 ditch it. Yeah. That's why I got rid of Facebook. Mm -hmm. I miss you on that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it just wasn't serving me in any way. Yeah. I was like, oh, I just looked at this thing for 15 minutes and I don't and I feel worse than I did when I started to look at it. So why am I looking at it? Right. Yeah. You know. And so if I can be like the thing that pops up in someone's Instagram feed that makes them smile or makes them feel better about themselves, then I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you about a post that you posted um, a couple of days ago of you, an incident that happened mm -hmm. five years ago. I, I think it was five years ago. I think I have that timeline right, yeah. Okay. Um, tell, tell me about it. So, uh, well, I'll preface this by saying that um, I was feeling particularly oh, I'm just going to say it I was feeling particularly angry at white gay men great <laughs> uh, white gay men are great I love white gay men I have, I'm a white gay man I have white gay male friends great but I was feeling particularly angry at what I perceived to be a lack of an inability or a lack of desire to look beyond their own sort of, you know, box. Mm -hmm. So I'll just preface it by saying that. Great. So I posted about an article that I read about two women in London who had been beaten up. Mm -hmm. And the photograph is horrifying of these two women. Uh, I know they were beaten up because um, these four teenage boys were like really like egging them on to kiss, to kiss and they wouldn't and they wouldn't and so they beat the boys beat them up 
So I that just sort of got me in my feelings a little, totally which is how I spend right. most of my life anyway. But uh, so I posted a photograph of uh, myself after an incident that took place about five years ago. I um I was working at a theater in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I won't say the name of the theater because it doesn't matter. Um, and uh, I we were leaving an event that the theater had thrown. Uh, two of my castmates uh, and one of my castmates' girlfriends. So four of us. And we were walking to meet um, some folks at a bar to sort of have a nightcap. And this group of teenagers comes walking towards us, and I could just tell, like, this was a bad scene. And uh, the next thing I know, we were surrounded by them. We couldn't get away. They grabbed uh, one of my friends, um, grabbed a phone or something, and he went running, and I went running after him to stop him. And the next thing I knew, I I was on the floor, and I had been hit. And they were calling us all sorts of slurs, you know, none of which I need to repeat here. Everyone knows them. Um, and then I got back up. I'd never been hit before in my life. I haven't since. <laughs> um, and then got back up, you know, got myself together, went to stop my friend who was still running, and got hit again. Oh my gosh. So then I'm on the floor, and that's it. Down for the count. And I was all, you know, bloody, and it was horrible, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I posted the photograph because... I just feel like we, as I'm speaking specifically to white cis gay men, because that's my experience of the world, mm -hmm. have forgotten that this is happening every single day. And it happened to me as a white gay cis man. It can happen to anyone. And just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean you get a pass. You don't get to not care about it anymore. You don't get to like pretend that it's not happening because it hasn't happened to you because it can I never thought it would happen to me never like, like we were talking about earlier I come from a loving family no one ever I was called names but no one ever put their hands on me ever ever and it just felt to me like a moment to be honest about an experience I was having and to hopefully shake people and to tell them that you don't get to sit on the sidelines anymore. It's like this, this shit is not a joke. It's not, yeah. I don't, just because something, the fact that you've never experienced something doesn't give you a pass. It doesn't, you know? Yeah. Because this shouldn't be happening to anyone anywhere in the world ever. Yeah. Period. Um, and I have moved on to forgive. These were kids. These were kids. Like, I don't know what experience they come from. Right. To me, I was able to move into a place of empathy 
I'm not a saint, but like the only way I could get through it was to try to understand why they did it. And the, I realized that in, in some ways they're victims of a system also. Yeah. Right. Of this like hatred. It's so pervasive. It's like, it's so, it just gets in there. So like what messages were they receiving? You know, everyone's born just a blank slate. Right. And Mm -hmm. we can fill ourselves with all sorts of different things. So what happened to these young people that they decided that a great, you know, way to spend a Saturday evening or whenever it was would be to beat up people and call them faggots. Like you know? Yeah. Like what, what happened to you? Right. What does that, what is that? Like, what is that poison? When did you swallow it? Who gave it to you? And how do we get rid of it? Yeah. You know, like I healed, I healed. It's fine. I'm okay. But as I said on that, in that post, I'm okay because I had, because I was born into an amount of privilege that other people are not born into. Like these things are not, I don't feel guilty about that. It's not about making anyone feel guilty. I hear that a lot when you talk about cis privilege or white privilege. This isn't about making people feel guilty. It's about helping people to understand that your privilege is power and you ought to use it for good. You, you don't, you don't get to, you don't get to like pretend like you don't have it. You do. You don't feel guilty about it. I don't feel guilty about being born who I was. This is who I am. But it is my responsibility to use that to help people. It just, it is. It's like one of those things that I just feel, I can't even explain why I feel it because it's like, I don't know, because two plus two is four, because it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Because it is. that. And I just, I get frustrated with a lack of, real outreach Mm -hmm. on the part of gay men, white men, you know? And I know that's like controversial and a lot of people will disagree with me, but you know, and and listen, it it is happening. Like Broadway Bears is going on right now. I don't know if you know what that is. And that's an incredible opportunity. Um, Why don't you tell our viewers at home? So Broadway, (laughs) so Broadway Bears is a um, big event that the Broadway community puts on, uh, every year to uh, benefit BCEFA, Broadway Cares, Equity Fight Saves, which is an incredible organization. And it, they put on this crazy, like, I don't even know if you'd call it like a cabaret. I, it's like just this massive show, burlesque, like they've got people you know, doing aerial acts and it's this big show and it raises like, I think it raises like a million dollars. It's, so I don't mean to discount, there, there are things happening. I, I don't mean to say there's nothing happening, but, um, I just want to see it more than in the month of May and June when people are getting mm-hmm. ready for it. Yeah. I just want to see it. I, I think we, we owe that to each other just as human beings. So that, and, and that post, for example, like that got so much, people were like, this has happened to me and thank you for sharing. And, and I'd never shared that ever. I don't even think you knew. No, I didn't. Yeah. 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 So it's just, it's time to step up, people. Donald Trump is president. Like, it's time to, st- this is it. This is like, this right. is not. This is our moment to like. Come on, come on. Harness like, the privilege This to that me feels have. like a moment that history will judge us. 
like this, you don't get to come far and then leave people in the dust. That makes you a shitty person. Mm -hmm. Don't be a shitty person. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. we've, we've come far. And by the way, I don't want to discount the fact that there are still little white gay boys struggling to to come out. That's still real. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that like you're, Oh, no big deal because Will and Grace is on the air. Like, mm-hmm. it's still hard for people. I don't want to discount any of that. This stuff is nuanced. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, again, like, I have had a fairly easy experience in my life because I was born into a loving family that could afford four walls and a roof and, you know, to eat. And they loved me and hugged me. And when I came out, they told me they loved me. It's not everyone's reality. Mm-hmm. This actually, this reminds me of a conversation you and I had, I think it was three summers ago when we became friends. Um, after the Pulse shootings in Orlando, um, we were at dinner and like the night of the Pulse shootings, I, I, it was the same party, party, sorry. I was having a party celebrating my top surgery my ta-ta to my ta-ta's party. <laughs> and it was like, so like it was like that night, that was like this like very joyful celebratory moment yeah. for me. And as that was happening, the shootings at Pulse were happening. And then I woke up to, like I woke up feeling, um, before I had looked at the news or my phone or anything, feeling so held and supported. And then looked at my phone and like there were a million text messages and mm. news alerts and I was like, oh my God. And then I think you and I had dinner maybe that week. And so we were like, how can we use our privilege and our, what we have going on to help other people? And that's how Craft Your Truth was born. Yes, And I think just like having those, these like candid conversations of just like expressing the anger and the frustration around the way the world is, Lots of good things come from from those, right. um, but you have to be willing to have the conversation. Yeah, and I think and I think yeah. you have to get. I think you have to be willing to kind of like embarrass yourself a little bit and like ask questions that make you a little scared. Yeah, and to understand, you know, you can't be. I don't think anyone ought to be made to feel guilty for whatever experience they have had whatever they're born into but you should reach out and try to learn about people who live a life that isn't like yours right you can be held accountable to that mm-hmm. you know yeah and i just see a lot of gay men my age not doing that not like looking for the wrong things or at least what I perceive to be the wrong things, you know, I'm just me. But what I perceive to be things that aren't going to sustain you in any real way. They're not really nurturing you or nourishing you. And I'm just finding, like, I just learn more and more the more that I listen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've asked you questions before, yeah. mm-hmm. like, I don't understand this thing. Can you help me understand this? Or what should I do in this situation to help you feel comfortable? And, you know, yeah. thankfully you are open-hearted and open-minded and you've helped me. You know, I never knew anyone who identified as non-binary. I never knew anyone. 
but now I do. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm learning more and more what that experience is because I ask the questions. And because you share your experience because it's so, you're so passionate about the work that you do. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess what it boils down to, like, if there's something you don't understand, don't make up your mind about it. Ask a question. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do a little research. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Just try to understand. Mm-hmm. Listen, just listen. Yeah. I, uh, before any training that I do, I set intentions and yeah. two of them are assuming good intentions. So like, I'm going to assume that you're coming from a place of wanting to learn and not mm. trying to be malicious. And so, right. and then the other one is giving space for imperfection because we're all learning together. And the only way you're going to learn is by asking questions. And if the reason why you're not asking the question is because you're afraid you're going to offend me right. or you're going to say it in a, like a, like in a disrespectful way, let's just take that out in this space. Cause we're setting, we're naming it and just ask the question. And then that can be a teachable moment right, of right. maybe next time ask it in this way, or right. here's the right word for the experience right. you're talking right. about. Right. Um, and I think it's up to us as queer folks to kind of, to, be um to to reach out in that way in the way that you do to say like as educators yeah i think i think to a certain extent for sure i think that we shouldn't always be on the queer person to educate people no but i no i don't mean that i I never mean these things in like as a like a blanket statement no never right but i think we all do best if we live in an open-hearted way you know? Yes, for sure. And if the time is appropriate and you feel good about it and someone reaches out, reach back. You know, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I also, I had an experience the other, the other night and, um, because a lot of, when I meet people and I say, my name is Dubs, people will be like, a lot of times people will say, is that your real name? Really? Yeah. It's so funny. And it's like, it, it is, because that's the name I gave to you. Whether mm. or not that's on all of my documents, none of your business. Um, and so it, it's true. Like I, I mentioned, like always kind of being on guard with just moving through the world. Yeah. And that is one of those things that I'm on guard about. And so the other day, someone said, may I ask you a question about your name? And like, which I thought was awesome, like getting consent before even then asking the next question. But I was, I had been so trained for myself of like self-protection that I still answered it in a way of like, well, not everyone wants to, like I kind of like snapped a little bit. And then, and then this person was like, well, well that's why I, like I asked <laughs> if I could ask. Yeah, right. And I was like, you're right. And like, I, I actually, in the moment I, it took me a while to process what had just happened. And so this was like after the fact that I realized yeah. that that's what had happened. Right. But then I felt bad at like snapping yeah. at this person. Um, it wasn't like a real snap, but you know, like it was, I was on guard. Yeah, and sure. There's, I, right, like you're saying, like there's a time and a place to ask questions. Sure. And yeah. I really appreciated the fact that this person like asked consent right. before then asking right. another question. And like you're, hum- you're a human being, so. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, made a mistake. We could all stand <laughs> right. to just go it a little easier on each other. Yeah. For. You know what I mean? Sure. Regardless of what you're talking about, we could all stand to just recognize each other's humanity a little bit. Like you say, assuming the good. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. That's hard. It, it is. It's hard, hard, especially if you're someone who has been bullied or hears messages about, you know, negative messages about who you are. 
right. that, that can be difficult. Like mm -hmm. it's natural to have your guard up. Yeah. That's self-preservation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just like, there are, I just want a place to have my guard down. You know, like I, yeah. I wish, I, I, I wish for a world where more and more our guards can be down and right. we can just, you know, move through and not worry about, you know, X, Y, or Z happening. But that us. takes like what we were talking about earlier. That takes doing the work. You have to do right. the work. You Absolutely. have to do the work. You don't, you can't just float through your life. Right. Like everyone has to do the work. Everyone. Though. I'm not right. talking about just queer people. Right. I mean, every everyone. person yeah. needs to do, you know, and this is one of those moments where I'm saying something about people that I mean for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't always, I'm not always the best at it. I told myself in 2019, I was going to start a spiritual practice. I was like, I'm going to go to yoga. I'm going to be real into it. How many times have you been 0. To yoga? 0.0 times. <laughs> okay. Hey, okay. you still have half a year. I have half a year. But my point is, like, we're all fumbling through this, yeah. you know? I'll tell you a story quickly. Great. I talked to him. I talked too much. Um, I'm, so I'm literally interviewing you. I know. Questions. I know. It's <laughs> funny. Anyway, so I, in my high school, I went to a uh, Catholic high school, and your senior year, you go away on a five day long retreat with members of your class and you do this you I, I, I believe you spend let's say there's 200 kids that go you you break up when you spend the week in like groups of let's say 15 and then you do different you know workshops or whatever during the day it's like spiritual examination it's it's actually really beautiful anyway there's one exercise that you do where you um you write letters to everyone in the group. I believe it was like something that they taught you. Mm. And I was not out at the time, but I um, got a letter from a guy that was in my group and it said something like, you taught me that it's not okay to use the word gay as an insult. Because this was the 90s. I was very in then. Do you remember that? Uh, very yeah. in to say, like, that's gay. Yeah. People still say it, please. True, true. <laughs> yeah. But I guess I was 17 I then. I, was, I went to an all-boys yeah. high school, you know. Yeah. So there was a lot of that, like, God forbid you express any affection towards another man. Yeah. So anyway, I have no memory of teaching him that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I said that out loud ever. I don't know that I would have been brave enough to like stand up to someone in my high school saying that. My point is that people are watching. Yeah. You know? And you might be teaching someone and not even realize it. Or someone might be teaching you and that you know and you don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. But it's but you you, you hone that skill, that sort of ability to be receptive by doing that work, that like internal work, like analyzing the way you react to things, the way you feel about things, you know? Yeah. And I guess the best, you know, they say like the best life is spent as, you know, in, in, in question. Mm -hmm. rather than like a need for answers all the time just yeah. sort of constantly yeah. questioning and then when you do get an answer about something 
it's really satisfying. Mm -hmm. But knowing that they might not come all the time, that it's just process. Mm -hmm. I just find that I'm best off when I think about all this that way, you know? Yeah. You mentioned um, being brave. Yeah. And I, everyone who's listening, Jeff and I have accidental, accidental matching brave tattoos, uh, which is so funny and interesting and lovely to me. Um, and they're in the same font. Oh, are they? Yeah, the typewriter font. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I, I want to hear about your brave tattoo okay. and what inspired you to get it. So I had the really great opportunity years ago to um, tour with uh, Sarah Bareilles, the singer-songwriter, who is a very dear friend of mine. Um, and uh, she went on a tour, I think it was like six years ago maybe, and it was called the Brave Enough Tour. And she went on the road and she um, performed by herself. No band, it was her guitar, piano, and she was scared to do it. She, I don't think she had done that in quite some time, maybe ever, I don't know for certain, but uh, basically she like hired me to be her friend on the road. <laughs> like, you know, I sold merch and would like, I don't know, help out. I was going through a breakup, that's another story. It was a nice six weeks of being with my best friend and it was like, take your best friend to work day. Anyway. Um, the tour was called the Brave Enough Tour, as I said, and I loved the message. And it's funny, the word that really rings true to me in that is not brave, it's enough. Mm -hmm. Because it, I, I realized that you don't, you don't have to be an Avenger. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just have to be brave enough to do the thing that scares you. You know, yeah. And at that time for me, it was like having, going through a bad breakup. It was fears about my career as an as an actor, living in New York. You know, like normal life stuff. Nothing like earth shattering, but in my world, it felt that way. Yeah. And you know, we tell kids don't be afraid, but what we really ought to tell them is be brave. Mm -hmm. Fear is a part of life. I don't know that that ever goes away, but like bravery that's 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 what it's about like find that fucking thing that terrifies you and just walk right into it mm -hmm. follow the fear yeah. yeah I know it's true it's like these things are they become cliche because they're true you know right. what I mean like yeah. they work they work mm -hmm. and I have just found you know I mean Broadway that, that was performing on Broadway that was terrifying for me mm. Um, you know, it could be anything. Telling someone you love them, quitting a job, you know, you just gotta be brave enough to get through that, that thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have, and, and it ebbs and flows, right? Like some days you feel like you're on top of the world, you can do anything. And other days you feel like, ooh, I gotta stay in my corner. Mm -hmm. And on that day, you just gotta get brave enough to leave your house. That's it, you did it, mm -hmm. you know? It's not about being a superhero. And so I put that on my arm to remind myself, you know, to, to, to be brave enough to take on the challenge, to don't, you know, I, I spent a lot of my childhood afraid. Um, you know, 
my first memories of being afraid, my first memories of walking into my preschool class and thinking to myself, okay, don't say anything. Because if they don't, if you don't say anything, they can't make fun of you. Oh my gosh! I know it's sad, right? Three? I know, but it's not. And I don't. That doesn't that's mean that's so I, real, though. Yeah, I, but I it, but you know, I, I've always been someone who deals with, as many most people do, with major feelings of fear. And I just got tired of living that way. It stopped me from doing too much. You can't. You can't spend your life running away, you know. Like you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta go straight ahead. I mean, to bring it back to our gal Brene, mm-hmm. she talks about daring greatly yeah. and taking those risks and being vulnerable and brave right. and courageous. Right. Um, and she she tells a story about how she's on an airplane and um, and I'm gonna get it wrong, but basically like this person thought that the opposite of vulnerability was bravery. Right. And it's really, they're actually the same thing. They're the same thing. Because yeah. you don't know, the, the act of being brave is by do, is doing something that you don't know the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's... I think it was, I could be quoting this wrong, but um, Maya Angelou said, the greatest of all virtues is courage, because without courage, you can't practice any of the other virtues. Mm-hmm. You have to be courageous if you see an injustice happening to say something. Yeah. You have to be courageous to tell someone you love them. Mm-hmm. You have to be courageous to, I don't know, like Do I said, anything. take on the new job. You have yeah. to be. Um, and it's it's still a struggle for me. Are you kidding me? Like auditioning? What, just because it's tattooed on your arm? Know, right? that easy yeah. now? No, like <laughs> auditioning? What a nightmare. Like yeah. it's terrifying for me every single time. Literally. It's, ter- it's terrifying every time. But... Hasn't killed me yet. Mm-hmm. So. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Truly. Kelly Clarkson. That's fine. <laughs> All things. <laughs> right. Come back to Miss Clarkson. Yeah. Or Brene Brown. Or Brene I was, Brown. Yeah. I'm thinking about, like, I'm looking at all my tattoos. I know. Um, and they're just all cliches. But, like, most of them are cliches. But I but I love that. Because they, they remind me. And they keep me moving forward. Of, well, like, they're all just the things. They're universal truths. They, yeah. You know? Yeah. Brene Brown also says that cool thing about, um, she's so, I love her, um, I love her kind of sort of no nonsense way of talking about totally. these things. Cause yeah. the touchy feely part of it was always hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like she said, um, something to the effect of like, you know, if you get in the ring you know, she calls it like getting in the ring, if you yeah. get in the ring, it's not that you might fail, fall, like you will, right. You absolutely will. 100% you will. Mm-hmm. You will fail, you will fall, you will not get the job, you will not get the part, the person will say they don't love you back. Mm-hmm. All that stuff like will 100% happen. And then what are you going to do? But you, you, have, like, you have to do it to then also right. reap the Because you never benefits. get the benefit otherwise. Yeah. And it's interesting because that, the person who doesn't get up and keep going, that's the person that becomes bitter and angry mm-hmm. and, you know, makes bad decisions and leans on hatred mm-hmm. you know yeah um quick little anecdote and then i have a question for you okay. but i just remember um i was hiking in joshua tree with this with the person i was dating and i was like this is going to be the moment that i like tell her that i'm falling for her yeah. and i was literally on the edge of a mountain like 
in Joshua Tree, looking over the Coachella Valley. And I like say to her, like, I'm really falling for you. And she just like smiles and like gives me a hug. And then we just like move on with our day. And then I just remember like feeling, and this is only in hindsight now that I can be like, that was so brave to do that and like not know that she wasn't gonna say it back. And, but like, I never would have known otherwise. Like you have to put yourself out there to get an answer. Yeah. And even if it's not the answer you want. No. But it's a, that's a struggle for me. That's a huge struggle for me. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it's funny going back to like the social media thing. People will say like, oh, you're like, it's amazing. Like you, like the funny part is that people will like think I have it figured out. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> don't. I don't. We're all just, you said thumbling earlier, which I think is so funny. Did I say thumbling? Uh-huh. Stumbling. <laughs> or fumbling. I need to work on my elocution. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to hear about the most epic would you rather. And then I have I have one from the previous podcast that I'm going to ask you to answer to. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I like this. I, mean, I You told me you might ask me this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. I had to look this up because I get too nervous. And this one I liked. Okay. Would you rather wear wet socks every day for a year on your feet or dry socks every day on your hands for a year? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wet socks on your feet every day for a year. I think you can take them off at bedtime, I think. Oh, okay. Or... Dry socks on your hands every day for a year. How would I text? Um, what, what, what would you do? I think I'm going to... I want to preface this by saying that I have wet feet all the time because I never have the right footwear. You'd think I'd learn. My feet are wet right now because it's raining outside and I didn't wear the right footwear. I hate it so much. But I think I would still go wet socks hmm. because yeah. I want to use these digits. Yeah. I think so, too, especially since you added the caveat of you, you can, can take, take them, them off while you're sleeping. That's like, that's the Wait, dream. Wait, why would the sleep make such a difference well, to Well, because I hate sleep. sleeping in socks. Oh. A, oh, shit. I wish B, I hadn't that said that. they're wet. Okay, wait. Ugh. Go back. Now you can't take them off. Let's go. Let's make the stakes higher. You can't take either of them off for a whole year. Um... I think I'd probably still do the feet. Yeah. Because I want to use my hands. Yeah. For lots of. But things. wet socks are really uncomfortable. I'm just warning you. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I also never wear the. Never. I have rain boots that my mom bought me. Thanks, mom. Never. That I've worn them once and it ended up not raining. Snow, like, <laughs> rain, sleet. My feet are wet. Yep. My feet are wet. I feel like also not to get personal, but like you work out a lot, so are they like sweaty wet a lot? No. Oh. Mm-mm. No. Great. Because I'll because what I'll do is like. Work out, shower, dry socks, wet rain, mm. then they're wet again. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so here is here's another would you rather that oh I gosh, want you to answer. Nervous. So would you rather travel around the world experiencing everything and money and safety are non-issues, but you have no home base to come home to? Or would you have or would you rather have like a an an incredible like home base nest? That is like everything you want it to be, but you never travel. Oh my gosh. Hmm. 
Look, Dorothy Gale taught me that home is where your heart is. Mm. So I would go with the first option. I would travel, be able to see the world, and not have a home base. With the hope that I could create home wherever I was. That's beautiful. I think also, I'm, I think I'm going with that. I've never, Dorothy, is Gale her last name? Dorothy Gale, yeah. I never knew that till yeah. you have said it a couple times. Yeah. Great. Auntie M, right? Yeah. Hen- Uncle Henry. Mm-hmm. Gail. Wow. I really hope that's right. Now I'm questioning it, but I think she's Dorothy Gale of Kansas. Right? Yeah. Okay, great. Our, our producer's saying yes. Great. Thanks, Bobby. Um, okay, now I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Oh, my God. Well, actually, before before we rapid fire, okay. um, thank you for sharing everything. Thank this you for having me. This has been so me. lovely. What a treat. Right? So, so great. What D- a treat. Despite the rain. I hope everyone gets to talk to their friend for an hour about things that matter. Yeah, me too. It's a treat. Um, any last minute thoughts or anything that you want to make sure it gets said? Uh, my best friend tells me this all the time when I'm feeling blue. And it sounds obvious, but I don't think it is. Be kind to yourself. Mm, yeah. Because the world is hard. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people out there who are going to tell you you can't do something or you won't achieve what you want to achieve or whatever it is. And you you shouldn't join that crew. So be nice to yourself, you know? Yeah. Be kind. I like that a lot. I'm going to cry. <laughs> okay, rapid fire. Are you ready? Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. I have to, like, just say what yep, comes up. Yeah, the first mind. thing, the first answer. Oh, my God. This always makes me nervous. Like, I'm going to... There's okay. no There's no wrong answer. Okay. Unless it's wrong. okay okay writing or reading reading acting or singing singing dogs or cats dogs beach or mountains beach biking or running running bagels or donuts bagels good train or plane train pants or shorts shorts coke or pepsi coke night or day ah day favorite dessert chocolate ice cream great you passed I'm, I'm a highly anxious person. That was hard for me, but I got through it. I was brave enough. Yeah, you did it. Nice. Uh, so, Jeff, thank you. Did we do it? it? We did it. We did it. So, right. So now we're at the, we're at the I'm going to promote you oh, and your yes. beautiful work that you do. Okay. So you are going to be at the Weathervane Rep Theater in New Hampshire. I will be. Um, playing multiple ro- roles yeah. through July 14th, or July 14th through September 1st. Yeah. Any other things that our listeners should know about um, your time there? Uh. Well, it's a repertory theater company, so it's pretty cool. We're doing, uh, well, the, the, the theater's doing, I think it's five shows in seven weeks. I am doing four shows in six weeks. Wow. Which will be a cool challenge. It's a live theater. It's not Broadway, but it's awesome. But you know what Remember I love? Remember that. Is that I feel like Broadway has prepared you for this role. 100%. Of learning those three, yeah. those three roles. Yeah, there is great theater out there, and I'm, I'm super excited. It's going to be... A great challenge, and uh, yeah, if you're in that area, come, come see us. Awesome! It's gonna be really, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Amazing. Yeah. So, and then we we've talked about Jeff's Instagram a lot. So follow Jeff on at G Kidwell. Yeah. Um, and we'll post that too in case you don't know how to spell his name. Um, thank you so much, Jeff. You're the best. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It was awesome. Hey. Thank you for coming.